Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show live here on this Thursday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of this show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMSH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. This is your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Uh, Pro Football Focus has an article up talking about the every NFL team's most improved player. Who do you think uh, Pro Football Focus had as the Falcons' most improved player? Caleb McGarry. Yep, absolutely. Uh, 2021 grade, 62-8. 2022 Pro Football Focus grade, 86.6. 86.6. That's a 23.8 improvement in grade. Quote, the Falcons declined McGarry's fifth-year option heading into the 2022 season after three years in which he failed to make the type of impact one would expect from a first-round pick. Former Washington Husky responded by having a career year on the right side of the Falcons' line. Among tackles, McGarry's 91.8 run-blocking grade trailed only the San Francisco 49ers' Trent Williams. Yeah, he was an excellent run blocker. Problem is, he's not a good pass blocker. And and that's still, to this day, that is still his Achilles heel. The, the, the thing, the scouting report that came out when he was going into the draft was speed guys on the edge will run around him and he'll have trouble with that first step. If he gets you locked up, if he can grab hold of you, he can move you and put you where you want him to be. That's five years in, or four years, four years after, you know, into his career, it's still the same exact thing. The speed guys get around him, but he can lock guys up. If he gets his hands on you, he is super strong. Remember that picture that came out looking like four? But guys run around him. You know, uh, who was it for the Rams that um, – who was the outside player? But – you know, the, the guy for the Rams at the end of that game when when Mariota was going to huck it up, you know, and they took a sack on. Guy ran right by McGarry. That's what happens is, you know, speed guys crush him. He's a really good run blocker. He gets his hands on you. He can move. That's why, that's why what I wanted to do was I wanted to draft Panay Sewell a couple of years ago. You play him at right tackle for a couple of years. Then you flip him and Jake Matthews left to right. You you flip those guys, make Jake a right tackle, so there's not as much pressure, you know, blocking for your quarterback on as the left tackle spot, and then kick McGarry inside the left guard, and, and he'd have been the ideal guy that, again, he's working in a phone booth. And when he gets his hands on you working in a phone booth, he can move you wherever he wants to move you and push you forward. That would have been the plan, but alas, we've got unicorns and everything else uh, out there. Uh, anyway, all right. Now, this is one thing that I 1,000% disagree with Pro Football Focus. 
This is not understanding the Falcons, okay? They have every NFL team's biggest draft mistake over the last five years. And then for the Atlanta Falcons, they have missing the boat on Matt Ryan's trade value. Quote, this one is a little bit more nuanced. If you're not a fan of the Falcons or an NFC South rival, it may surprise you to know Atlanta has been below 500 for the entire span covered by this article, five straight years of mediocrity or worse. They refused to hit the reset button after going 4-12 in 2020 and in turn held on to Matt Ryan past his usefulness in the trade market. With Carson Wentz returning uh, a first-rounder in the same span, surely the former MVP was only 35 years old through the 2020 season and could have fetched the Falcons a pretty penny in a rebuild. Instead, they got back only a third-rounder for the face of the franchise. That's why you don't trade him, because he's the face of the franchise. He's your franchise quarterback. Carson Wentz is not your franchise quarterback. His final year, he was 16 touchdowns and 15 picks. And they drafted Jalen Hurts. This is guys that don't understand the Atlanta Falcons. You don't get rid of your franchise quarterback. You don't get rid of the guy who was bringing you more success than anybody else. You build around him. But again, when you don't, you know what the biggest draft mistake is in the last five years? Not taking either Panay Sewell or Micah Parsons when you, you know, instead of taking Kyle Pitts. That's the biggest draft mistake. You didn't fix your offensive line. You didn't fix your defensive line. And guess what? We still have the same issues. We still have the same problems. And then we can't figure out why we can't move forward. It's not that Matt wasn't toward the end of his career. But he, he was your franchise quarterback, the guy who brought you all the success. You roll the dice on him. Carson Wentz. I don't care what Carson Wentz back to the trade. Carson Wentz stunk his final year. That's why they ditched him. Wasn't because he was the franchise quarterback. Because he stunk. And they went and got Jalen Hurts. And where's the, where are the Eagles now? Where'd they just finish? Super Bowl. Okay. Did Carson Wentz get him the Super Bowl? Nope. Did he win the Super Bowl when they won it five years ago? That was Nick Foles. Oh. Ay, yay, yay, Who wrote this article? Let's see here. Michael Renner. Okay. Michael, do me a favor. Call me. When you talk about the Falcons, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll help you understand the state of the franchise and how things really are. You have to be his ghostwriter. Right. Not 35,000 feet in the air looking down through binoculars and saying, oh, okay, this, that, and the other. <sighs> anyway. Uh, let's do a mock from uh, Vinny Iyer. He's got his... Latest mock draft, uh, mock draft uh, out. Uh, gosh, let's see here. He's got. Let's see here. Uh, I was just trying to pull it up here. Uh, now I can't find uh, his mock. I, I know that he's got. I, I know that he's got. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. Is it Paris? Uh, um, oh gosh. Uh, oh man. My brain is uh, my brain is fried, and and again, you know I, 
don't get any help from Dylon to, you know, any, anyway. So um, he's got he's got them taking a tackle at number eight for the Atlanta Falcons. I I wouldn't have a problem with that. I I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a, a Paris Johnson. Yes, I found it before you did. Was, and I'm brain dead. I figured it out before you did. I was close. And I'm the one who's brain dead. I got my brain fried. I got scrambled brains. Paris Johnson, behemoth of a guy. I wouldn't have a problem if they took him at number eight. And look, <laughs> McGarry isn't worth the franchise tag. That's 18 point, I think, $18.125 million on the franchise tag for a tackle. I'm not franchising McGarry. If they can't work something out at somewhat market value, then I'm not going to sign them long-term. And I'm not going to give them five or six years just so I can, you know, backload the contract on the cap. Because, again, he's had one good year out of four. In his walk year. And he still can't pass block. I want to bring McGarry back. I want him back on this squad. But it's going to be as D-led. We talked about this with him and I. on I think it was uh, last week or earlier this week or whatever it was. But he's got to come back on, on a reasonable number. Not a franchise tag of $18 million. He's got to come back on a reasonable deal. And he's not one of the, you know, again, one good year out of four doesn't make him Trent Williams. He doesn't have the track record for all of that. But I want to bring him back. I, I think that he fits the scheme, fits the system. He fits with what um, Arthur Smith wants to do with this team. And then you don't have to put in all that draft capital of the number eight pick to shore up your offensive line. But if McGarry's not at a reasonable price, I got no problem drafting Paris Johnson. Because, again, I'm trying to build off my strengths at the most important places. If it ain't quarterback, and if it ain't offensive line, and it ain't defensive line, I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody. I want the best linemen on the offensive side of the football, I want the best defensive lineman, or I want C.J. Stroud. That's it. That's it. That's where all the good teams build all their guys. You think Dallas, you think Dan Quinn's been so hot because Dallas drafted a great cornerback? Because they drafted a a top-flight safety? Is that what changed around Dan Quinn's perception and Dan Quinn's Cowboys defense that they drafted a really good safety or picked up a safety in free agency? What was the difference? Micah Parsons. Oh, what's he do? He gets to the quarterback and sacks him a lot. So I got no problem if they they draft a tackle, an offensive tackle in the first round. I'm, I'm okay with that. You got to do what you do best. And and you got to keep your strength in place. If you can't, if McGarry's not a, a reasonable, available option, and I think he will be. I think he wants to stay with the Falcons. Look, he had his best season. If he's going for a money grab, then he probably could get a better deal from somebody else. Because, again, 
you know, th- this is this is those cautionary tales about free agency where teams overspend all the time. We do it here. Dante Fowler, Ray Edwards, you way overspend on free agent players, hoping that they will be what they once were. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. That would be my cautionary tale with Caleb McGarry, is that I want him here. I I want him to be the right tackle, but it has to make sense. Can't be a franchise tag of $18 million. Can't be five years at $120 million or whatever, something, you know, crazy or whatever. Like, that's – he's not that kind of player. So – it, I mean, look, that's going to be the biggest decision, you know, early on in free agency that the Falcons have to decide on. And like I said, I, I hope he gets a deal. Now, he's not going to flip with Jake Matthews. It, Lord knows, Caleb McGarry's not flipping to the left side to play left tackle anytime for this team. That, that won't happen. They'll go draft their next left tackle and – Find a replacement when that time comes for Jake Matthews to, you know, to hang it up and, you know, get out of the game or whatever. So, um, but again, I want McGarry, but I want him here for a reasonable number. I want him here for a number that makes sense, not some franchise tag number where you way overpay him. And just because you have money to spend doesn't mean you need to spend it foolishly. Doesn't mean we need to spend it foolishly. I think McGarry's the number one free agent um, of their own guys that I would like to re-sign him number one and probably Rashawn Evans number two. That would probably be my top two. All right, we'll talk to Eric Edholm when we get back. Speaking of the NFL draft, covering all things in the NFL and NFL draft for NFL.com. Uh, Chuck Reed in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 910 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at it. John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Thursday evening. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll talk to Grant McCulley, who is down in Florida, covering the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk to him coming up at 940. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, though, right now. Let's talk to our buddy Eric Edholm as uh, we get ready for the NFL draft, certainly combine and everything else coming up here soon. And, it will be draft time before we uh, look up and uh, know it. Uh, Eric covers the NFL draft, and you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. As always, Eric, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes tonight in Atlanta. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm already uh, both feet in on draft season, so uh, I'm ready to get going here. So, what when you're kind of first blush of you know positional groups? What do you think are the two or three best positional groups? draft yeah i would probably say good question yeah tight end is going to be a really good year uh for that group this year you could end up with 
uh, maybe five in the top 50 or 60 picks, you know, possibly two or three in the first round, maybe a little later, you know, probably more in the 20s than in the teens. But that's a strong position. I know it doesn't always get people lathered up. Uh, pass rusher, corner, I think both good years. Um, I think linebackers among the weaker groups, just at first blush, you know, just, you know, and finding the right fits for the right system and stuff. There's a couple of guys who do one thing well, but, you know, maybe don't have the full three down skill set. So that's, that's a position that, you know, it's a little, a little hit or miss. I like the top of the tackle group a lot. Um, and I would say the interior of the offensive line is a little bit spottier. When we talked last time about some of the quarterbacks, if you're giving, I guess for lack of a better term, like a first-round grade on quarterbacks, and, yeah. and again, teams teams pick quarterbacks whether they're first-round guys or not. But if, right. you're, if, you're, if you're looking at realistically, you know, sort of first-round grade guys at quarterback, how many of you guys think fit into that category? Yeah, I mean – I think there's a chance that four end up going in the first round. Uh, you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, I think, are locks. Anthony Richardson from Florida would be the wild card. But, you know, there, there seems to be so much excitement about him, even if there has been really inconsistent tape, not a lot of tape, right? I mean, he came into last season with 66 throws. You know, doesn't really have a, a full body of work. You see the inconsistency, inconsistency on tape, excuse me, but – uh, you know, from a from a physical trait standpoint, and you know, uh, mat, potential matchup nightmare. I think he's going to work himself into that range. Now he could have poor interviews, poor workouts. Maybe there's a medical concern I'm not aware about. But I would, you know, going into the combine, I think he's got a real good shot to be that fourth one. And then, you know, it's a little thinner on day two. Eric Edholm covers the NFL and NFL draft for NFL.com. Joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline, give me a couple of names. I I have a couple of names in my mind that I wouldn't mind seeing the Falcons roll the dice on, on say like a day three in the draft. Give me a couple of names that could be later picks that, you know, could be potentially good prospects. I mean, when you get to that range, it's certainly hit or miss you know, and, and mostly miss, but sure. if, if there's a couple of names, maybe on like a day three, who would some of those guys be? Yeah. I mean, right. You know, we're coming off a year when, you know, I mean, uh, Thompson started uh, games for the Dolphins, started the playoff game. Obviously Brock Purdy did his thing. I mean, that's not suggestive of a normal year, but you know, I think there, 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 there could be some quarterbacks to go on day three that I think are, are going to be interesting. And, and, I just came back from Mobile a couple weeks ago. Jake Hayner was probably the most consistent one down there. Um, was he special in any way? No, I don't think he's going in the top 100 picks. So I think he's in play in round four. So he's on the front end of that day three range. And I think the other guy that I came away kind of intrigued by, uh, even if you know he didn't have a great first day of practice and there was some, you know, he had one pick in the game almost through a second, but there's something interesting, and that's Tyson Bajant from uh, Shepherd College. I actually talked to uh, one of his, his uh, teammates on the plane ride back and, and the buzz around him there, as you can imagine, Division II school that hasn't produced any NFL talent of note at all uh, is, is phenomenal. He could have left and gone to a bigger school. I mean, he had offers from 
you know, some of the, the FBS schools that, that needed quarterbacks this offseason, but he stayed true. He went down to the senior bowl. Good, you know, good on Jim Nagy for finding him. I mean, that's a, you know, you don't go that deep very often at quarterback, but he spins a nice ball and he's got some, you know, I don't want to say he's Tony Romo, but I mean, he's got some Romo like qualities. He, he can throw on the move and, He's just a fascinating project that I think will get drafted, and I'll be fascinated to see what, uh, you know, two two years down the road what he might become. You know, Eric, uh, I'm glad you said Jake Hayner. Uh, that's the guy – that's that's one of the two guys that I, I've been intrigued by. Not the biggest guy, but I think he's got the arm strength, and he's got some moxie. I mean, if you watched him play in college, you know, he's not afraid to make some throws. You know, he's not afraid to to unleash it and uncork it. What do you think yeah. his – what do you sort of – how do you kind of profile him, his potential? Like, what, what, did, what did you see down in Mobile that made you kind of come away, you know, a little bit impressed by him? Yeah, Moxie's a good word. I mean, you know, the 2021 season, I mean, you know, Fresno State had a couple of – not a couple, I think three or four wild finishes. I mean, they had a couple upsets as well, and, and Hayner was at the center of that. You know, beat USC. I mean, had some big moments and really – Boy, you said to yourself, uh, you know, he's not big. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but there's something here, right? I mean, there's a playmaker here, kind of a gutsy guy a little bit. And um, This past season, he had the injury, uh, you know, relatively early in the season. and was supposed to really, you know, they gave him a 12-week timetable for that. So, should have wiped out his final year. He came back at about half that. That you know, told me he was playing at about 75, 80%, but felt like it was, you know, everything was stable and he could – still move around and stuff like that and finish the year strong and under the radar after getting kind of a, a little taste of national attention as a junior, it was almost like he flew under the radar to mobile. So he went down there, as I said, he didn't blow it up, but if, if you were putting a team together and you only had the players down there, he would have been the first one picked just because I think there was enough separation between him and the next quarterback that it was, uh, you know, it was it was tangible, I felt like. But was it somebody that I would take with a third-round pick or a second-round pick? Hmm, I don't know. I don't think so. But, yeah, I, I see more of a spot starter, high-end backup as what I think his projection is going to be. But, you know, if you told me five years from now that he ends up being a, you know, kind of a Jared Goff-like performer or something like that, I, okay, I, I wouldn't be – stunned Eric at home covering the NFL and NFL draft joining me here on the waitforward.com hotline you know one of the other positions I'm really intrigued by is the running back position and look B. John Robinson is definitely going to be a first round pick what I'm curious to is asking you about you know the Jameer Gibbs the Zach Evans guys like that you know where where do some of those guys start to shake out? Bijan, I, I look fully fully endorse that he's a first round pick, but there are some very intriguing backs in this draft. How do the rest oh, of yeah. those guys sort of shake out? Yeah, Devin A. Chain's going to run something silly at the combine, and and you know he's a really good prospect that NFL scouts have had a, a eye on for a while. Obviously, A. and M. had a pretty rough season. Zach Evans at, at Ole Miss, I think, will will show out at the Combine as well, and so they'll get little bumps from that, because we know about the first two guys you mentioned, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs. I think those are the, you know, if you were to pull kind of 
sort of casual draft fans, they all would probably know those two. So, um, Izzy Abanacanda is a, from Pitt is a really fascinating one. I, I've had some scouts kind of tell me that they feel like he's being sort of undersold a little bit. Dwayne McBride is another kid from UAB who I think may have a little bit more love. Kenny McIntosh from Georgia is a big, you know, the scouts are, have been a big fan of his for a while. I know senior bowl week didn't go exactly as planned for him, but um, yeah, pretty good group. And boy, the other one who's surprisingly slipped, slipped through the cracks as far as buzz goes is Zach Charbonnet, who I think, you know, I mean, size, speed, burst, you know, vision, good cuts in the open field. He could be a big time back if they're in the right system. So He's somebody that I'm looking at too. I think it's it's a nice class. I think it's a you wish there were there were more pass catching options, but Gibbs showed some flashes of that. I watched a little of him today actually and you know, he wasn't exclusively used that way, but you saw Bill O'Brien start to get him the ball in that fashion and they needed it, you know. The, Alabama needed all the outlets they could with the you know, the blocking not being as good as it is used to being. So you know, is he Alvin Kamara part two? Possibly, may a little thinner, but uh, somebody who I think, you know, maybe in that DeAndre Swift mold or something like that, a third down specialist with big play ability, but he can also help you on first and second down. So those are the big names. I mean, obviously Gibbs is, you know, you picture him in a, you know, kind of in the James Cook role that Buffalo finally kind of got him the ball late in the season. Yeah, that could be really fun. Get him with a a, a strong passing game and, and really kind of see what he does in, the, in that type of system. I, I could see him being a star. Eric, uh, one of the guys that was invited to the Senior Bowl, obviously things didn't work out, but he has been invited <laughs> to the Combine, is Stetson Bennett uh, here locally from the University of Georgia, two-time national championship quarterback. One is, do you get the sense that – He'll go through workouts or drills or anything like that. I don't think he's going to throw, but, you know, going through drills and different types of workouts and things like that. And does he have to, for for lack of a better term, does he have to sort of pull a Mia Copa and just get in front of these GMs and pro personnel people and just, you know, sort of say, hey, my bad for what happened in Dallas and maybe yeah. not being at the senior ball. I mean, is that is that really what he needs to do more than – anything about throwing or working out or anything like that? Well, yeah, I think that's a great way to frame it, which is that, you know, on the one hand, you have a two-time national champion, somebody who's, you know, sort of picked him up by himself up by his bootstraps and, and turned himself into a player and, and was throwing the ball. I mean, they trusted him to throw the football in some key moments. It was, you know, so there's the football aspect of it that's impressive, but also flawed, right? Undersized guy, older prospect who's what 25 almost mm-hmm. or right about to turn or something so you know that's those are things that are working against him uh better athlete than i think a lot of people realize you saw the long run against Auburn, and you know in the playoff games you saw him kind of get out and move a little bit but then to have what happened it, what happened before mobile which you know depending on who you talk to it sounds like he may have given a soft agreement yes it sounds like he's going then all of a sudden he's not on the roster and then he gets this citation. And yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the, the afterglow of the, the championship, at least among scouts was gone at that moment. It's like, what is he doing? You know, it'd be one thing if you had a legitimate excuse or if you, you know, just initially said, Hey, look, I appreciate it. It's been a long season. 
you know, Joe Burrow got invited and he turned it down reluctantly because he knew his body was just <laughs> taking a beating and he could use that excuse, but it felt like it wasn't handled very well. And then the aftermath as well. So I agree. The interviews are important. So you have some strikes against him, even if, you know, there are a lot of people rooting for him because of the way he's played the last couple of years. So I do think the interview part will be, you know, is he a leader on the field? Is there something off the field that, that concerns you? What, what's going on with this kid? They want to tap into his head and figure out, is he worth using a draft pick on, or is it somebody we want in our la- locker room? Follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Eric underscore Edholm. He's going to have a lot of great NFL draft coverage, and he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Eric, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. We will chat again here as we uh, get through the combine and you know start to head to pro days and everything else. So we'll keep in touch with you. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. See you got it. John Chuckery, when we get back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. So at this point, everybody's in rebuild mode, I guess. That's up next in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. John Chuckery. This party's going to rock. Make some Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at it. John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios Thursday night with you. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316 on Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We will uh, talk to Grant McCulley coming up in an hour here. We'll uh, get deep into some Braves talk as um, first day of uh, workouts for the Atlanta Braves. So everybody's down there. Everybody's reported. Everybody's down in Florida. And... um, now they're all working out together, and again, I, it's like, what, a week, 10 days or something like that before we get into um, nine days? Okay, all right, so there you go. So I was, so when I said a week to 10 days, I was right. All right, as long as we just get that established. So You were right, Chuck. Um, but no, um, it's coming quick. It's coming quick. I mean, Grapefruit League season will be, you know, wrapping up, and, you know, we'll be looking up and... I mean, think about how busy it's going to get over the next couple of months. Obviously, NFL free agency, combine, NFL draft over the next few months here. Then, you know, spring training rolling right along, and we'll get into the MLB season. So, obviously going to be a busy spring, and uh, keep it locked here for all of your Braves uh, coverage uh, here on 92.9 The Game. We will be back uh, tomorrow night, another four-hour show with you. Um, we got a couple surprises for you here. Tomorrow coming up, but uh, we'll wrap up the week here as um, obviously the Hawks are into their all-star break. Um, we were talking the other night about the, uh, I guess it was, was it last night? Yeah, it was last night about the slam dunk contest. See the four guys that are in the slam dunk contest? Kenyon Martin's kid. Yep. And Mac guy, McClung. Some, yeah, from the G League. Yep. And <laughs> two Vagabonds. Coats. Yeah. Jericho I mean, Sims, and I can't even remember the other guy. Yeah, Chris, it's Chris Jericho or Chris Sims or something like that. <laughs> I mean, okay. The funny thing is, 
They got star power for the three-point shot. I mean, they the, did. The three-point three contest. They did. They've got star power. Kayvon's in it. Yeah. I, I think Dame Lillard and some of those other guys. I mean, yeah. they've got star power when it comes to the three-point contest, but they just can't get, you know, at least somebody that the casual NBA fan would have heard of. Like, literally, they don't even have a guy that the casual NBA fan would even know about. They didn't even fill all the contestants with actual NBA players. Yeah, I mean, they got a G League guy. Then they've got another guy from the Rockets who are, without question, the single worst franchise in the NBA. So you got a G League guy and a guy that's from the worst franchise in the NBA. How many people are lining up to see him? The only one, like I said, Kenyon Martin's kid. That's the only guy. And I don't even know how good of a player he is, but I remember Kenyon Martin. I watched him at Cincinnati. Watched him when he was, uh, what, he was drafted by New Jersey, right? The New Jersey Nets. They weren't Brooklyn back then. They were the New Jersey Nets, right? He missed uh, he missed the uh, tournament in his senior year, and it cost Cincinnati the number one seed in the uh, tournament that year. But I remember Kenyon Martin, but I, I don't know about his kid. I mean, it's just awful the way the dunk contest is. So, And they'll jump over cars and bars and stars and, you know, everything else and, you know, all the gimmicks and everything like that. Again, I said this last year. They should just have Doink the Clown, Fake Razor, T.L. Hopper. It's all a gimmick. whole thing's just a gimmick. And, again, when, when, you have, when you have players that the casual NBA, not hardcore NBA, just the casual, casual NBA fans, they knew Dr. J and Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan and even Spud Webb because he's a very small guy, right, and Vince Carter. Like casual NBA fans know who those guys are. Even when they had Dwight Howard in it. Yeah. Or Kobe. I mean, you you knew those guys that were in. Now we got, you know, Max McClung or Kenyon Martin. We got Chris Jericho. I mean, honestly, Chris Jericho is more of a name than Jericho Sims is. More people would know. If 52-year-old Chris Jericho went out and attempted the slam dunk contest, more people would know who he is than Jericho Sims. Chris, Jer- I mean, Jericho Sims is probably going to uh, jump over Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be one of the gimmicks. Yeah. Maybe maybe Chris Jericho getting him the lion tamer. Anyway, Lord have mercy. All right, as if that wasn't enough, let's get to what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So I guess now every team is in rebuild mode. No matter how many great players, no matter how many guys you bring back, no matter how great you are, no matter what Vegas has as the betting favorites and odds and everything else, everybody's now all of a sudden the underdog, Okay. We saw with the University of Georgia. Oh, nobody picked us to, huh? What? (coughs) Nobody picked you for the playoff? Here's the latest now. The Kansas, the, the lowly Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the team that just doesn't have any players. They didn't bring anybody back. They weren't gonna be very good. 
They don't have a very good coach. They're just a good story, Cinderella story out of nowhere, right? That organization. Because this is what Pat Mahomes said at the parade yesterday. Before we started this season, the AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world champs. We're world champs. In the words of Hugh Douglas, what? According to the Vegas odds, they were the number three betting favorite in the NFL in week one to win the Super Bowl. The AFC West said we were rebuilding. Huh? What? Only the AFC the, West said we were rebuilding. Only the Buccaneers and who was the other team? There were there were two teams that were that had better odds to get to the Super Bowl than the Chiefs. It was the Buccaneers and somebody else. Bills, yes, Bill. Bills were number one. Buccaneers were number two. And the Chiefs were number three. Now, how many teams are there in the NFL? 32. And they were third. That means you were pretty highly favored. And and they're this big Cinderella story out of nowhere. The AFC West said we were rebuilding. Like, I can understand an RKO out of nowhere. But the Chiefs, who have the best player in the entirety of the NFL, Pat Mahomes, going into this year, was still the best player in the NFL. The AFC West said we were rebuilding. Now, obviously, this is the Chiefs' first Super Bowl, right, that they won? No. Well, obviously, this is the first Super Bowl that Pat Mahomes has won. No. Okay. Well, obviously, this is Andy Reid's first Super Bowl that he won. No. Oh, okay. So because they lost their overpaid wide receiver, that made them underdogs? That made them in a rebuilding year? Like, who who said that they were rebuilding around Pat Mahomes in a rebuilding year? The AFC West said we were rebuilding. So the Chargers head coach, the Raiders head coach, and the Broncos head coach all said that they were rebuilding, huh? The AFC West said we were rebuilding. So... Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert got together and they said before the season started that the Chiefs were rebuilding. Because the AFC West said we were rebuilding. Who were these people? Who who were they? Were they coaches? Were they players? The AFC West said. They were already top, one of the top one, two, three franchises in the entirety of the NFL. And they're in rebuild mode. Are they rebuilding next year? Are are they still in rebuild mode? Like, even though that they won the Super Bowl, they've won multiple Super Bowls, they have the best player in the NFL. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. They've got arguably the best tight end in the NFL. Are they still in rebuild mode? Yeah, they're rebuilding next year, too. Don't expect them to win it again. Oh, okay. And one of the best coaches in the entire league. Maybe the best coach in the entire of the NFL. Because there's so many guys running around with multiple Super Bowls right now, right? I, I guess whatever motivates you. I mean, who talked to the Chiefs about this? Kirby the Smart? The West said we were rebuilding. Obviously, Kirby Smart got a hold of Pat Mahomes and 
told him that he wasn't even going to make a bowl game this year. Pat Mahomes had flashbacks to when he played at Texas Tech. Because they weren't even a bowl team, I don't think, for most of his career. Maybe any of his career. Lord have mercy. Everybody nowadays is in rebuild mode. The AFC West said we were rebuilding. Huh. I, I mean, I guess, I guess because they were only the third betting favorite and, and they had one team that was in front of them. Maybe Josh Allen said that they were in rebuild mode. That maybe, put a real chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Maybe Tom Brady said that they were rebuilding. Maybe he thought that they were rebuilding. Because because didn't he beat them in the Super Bowl a couple he, of years ago? He did. Oh. <sighs> but they were still there in the Super Bowl, though. But they but they were rebuilding. By the way, do you see what Pat Mahomes was drinking or, or attempted to drink? Well, I couldn't tell. I seen the video. What was that, a Bush Light? Coors Light. Coors Light. Yes, sir. Because he had the he had he had the wrestling belt on. He had the WWE That's right. wrestling belt on, and of course, he like, should have smashed the two together then drink. Yes, them. although they only threw him one and he could barely catch it. So yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> without falling. <laughs> right at that, at that. Listen, at that point, if he'd have caught one, that would have been you know an accomplishment by itself. But yes, he was drinking Coors Light at the break. Look, good for him, man. Good for him. Pat Mahomes is the best player in the entirety of the NFL. If you put every player into a free agent draft pool, he would be the number one guy selected. And if if let me tell you, if I was if I owned a football team and I'm interviewing a GM, I would ask them this question. If we put every player into a free agent poll and you had the number one overall pick, who would you take? If that person interviewing with me didn't say Pat Mahomes, I'd fire them on the spot. Even if they didn't, ha- even though they didn't have the job, they- they'd be they'd be fired from whatever job that they had up leading up to that point. Out there. We're world champs. Yeah, well, they're in rebuild mode. So hopefully those cardiac kids of the Kansas City Chiefs, Cinderella story out of nowhere, like the RKO. Hopefully that they can find a way to, I don't know. Maybe get back to the playoffs because, you know, the Raiders are so good and the Broncos were so good this year and the Chargers are so good. The AFC West said we were rebuilding. The the AFC West, if they combine the other three teams as rosters, still wouldn't be as good as Kansas City's. Their combined roster with those other three teams still wouldn't be as good as Kansas City's. And that's what's bugging Chuckery. Lordy. All right, when we get back to the top of the hour, we're going to go over these new rules in Major League Baseball because I'm fascinated by a couple of these. And, boy, if they had some of these rules in the 1980s, how different would the game have been? Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.